chilly, it's chilly evening. Uh, I think I'm getting a little spoiled. It's kind of used that 60 degree weather. So, uh, this is winter, and so we're going to press through it. Um, let's continue to be in prayer. A lot of, a lot of folks that are wrestling with a lot of stuff. And you don't have no details, and I don't have no details. Just know that we need to be continued prayer for one another. And uh, it's my prayer that uh, this time together is making a difference. For those that uh, do not know and join us online, we have prayer meetings leading up to this, and a new Bible study as well. And so um, we're praying that our young people are connecting, and we're praying and know for sure that the prayer meeting is making a difference. And we thank God for all those that continue to work. And press and press on. We're going to continue our study uh, in the uh, in the letter uh, to the uh, letter of Philippians to those in, in Philippi. I, I heard a theologian today said Philippi. So I didn't check. Is it Philippi or Philippi? I Philippi my entire adult life, but I'll, I'll double check that. A trusted theologian said that. So it's Philippi or Philippi. Uh, we know that it's that region. Uh, that, that Paul writes this letter. Um, let's uh, let's start out in prayer, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions on the backstory from last week. So let's go ahead and go to God in prayer. God, again, we just thank you for this this chance to study. We pray you now, Father God, that the, the words of our mouth, Father God, the meditations of our heart will be acceptable in this. We're praying and believing even now that study is going to make a difference. In this church, this study is going to make a difference in the lives of all those that are here, all those that are, that are watching live and will catch it in the replay, Father God. And so we just trust now that what we do is being divided with the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you in advance of how you use us. We thank you, thank you in advance, Father God, and how you'll work through us, Father God. Forgive us when we not had the joy that Paul was talking about in this letter. So we pray, Father God, that whatever weighed us down, that we don't allow that to continue. So again, God, we just thank you. We ask for blessings even now and this hour. In Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. 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 Let's, let's do this. Let's kind of recap. We're not too far from um, from the beginning of this. Last week we gave a little backstory. And we kind of dealt with the first 10 or 11 verses. But, um, and we'll, we'll pick up the end of Philippians as we do the Lord's will today and kind of move in that, uh, in that uh, pace, if you will. Um, so, and I'm trying not to go too fast uh, this, this quarter almost. Um, kind of give you some background. When, uh, I've already given you the author, but let's uh, start with me who, who wrote this letter. Uh, Paul, all right? And Paul wrote this letter. What's, what's amazing, what, what, how is this letter different than some of his other writers? Well, he's in prison. Now, yeah, he is in prison. But um, the, the lean of the letter, right, it's a little different <coughs> typically than what Paul does, right? Paul um, is normally a, a doctrinal person. There's some doctrine in here, but he's very doctrinal. He's dealing with issues. Uh, most of his letters, he's writing directly to, to an area, to a church that's got some major problems, right? And what did I say about this church? It's probably the most what? Mature church. Mm -hmm. It's the picture of the most mature church of any of the letters that 
Paul that Paul hates. Um, now, Paul had visited this area at one time, right? You remember some of uh, what did he run into? Was it a good experience? It was a good experience, but was it a perfect experience? No. If you will. He had some trouble, right? Yeah. And, uh, uh, who did he, uh, as he come, as he came into the city, who did he, what did he see? Give me the worship experience there prior to Paul instituting the church there. You remember? Yeah, it would have been ladies at the river, right? Mm -hmm. And they didn't have a synagogue. And, and uh, why didn't they have a synagogue? That's one of the reasons they didn't have a synagogue. You recall that from some of your studies? You had to have, what, at least 10 men? Uh, you had to have at least 10 men to, to be able to have a synagogue. Uh, 10 believers, male believers. So that, that tells us kind of where we're at with this area. And so you have some women. Uh, you don't just have some women. You have some prominent women that are at the midst of this riverside uh, that gather together. All right? Give me at least one of the women that Paul uh, meets on this on this journey. Lydia. Lydia was a businesswoman, right? And we read a little bit of her story. Uh, she was uh, she was a good businesswoman, and it speaks of her house and it speaks of a number of people, right? And, and so we've got a, a we've got a, a lady that that uh, you know knows how to knows, knows how to do some stuff. So it's uh, it's it's just amazing. We'll talk about trailblazing and pioneering later in our study, but it's amazing how God uses certain people in certain situations. Obviously, Lydia would have had some had some influence in that area, right? Mm -hmm. uh, even even prior to being called and, and uh, being touched by the Spirit, if you will, um, she would have had an influence on that area. And so she would have been, uh, for for the um, most intended purposes, for what we know, she would have been the first what convert mm -hmm. in Europe, right? Mm -hmm. So we're aware. So that so that gives us the backstory. Um, and then we know that Paul uh, was what? Put in the prison mm -hmm. as a result of his work there. And that's where you get that uh, who's in prison with him? That's Paul and Silas, right? Mm -hmm. And then even in the midst of that jail situation though, Paul, and we talked about that single-mindedness, even in the midst of that, he's still testifying. Mm -hmm. Right? And the jailer himself um, uh, comes come to Christ and his household. Mm -hmm. so, so even in the midst of all that uh, Paul was still pressing, pressing on. So we see that his, his first experience in that uh, in that area was an interesting one. Uh, but we kind of we kind of see uh, Paul's ministry and in, in some of the characteristics of his ministry. Even in the midst of struggle, he still continued to do what God has called him. What's that? Increasing joy. Increasing joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so that's um, going to be the the backstory. And we talked about some of those joy stealers. Uh, we, we talked about um, uh, we talked about how focused he was even in the midst of struggle. And again, you all heard the good point. The man is writing this letter from prison. You can read this entire letter and not get that. And uh, you can like, man, this is in a good place. Cruise ship and all that. Now he actually writes this. Writes this letter. This letter from from prison. So let's um. Let's let's look at this. Um, no, no. Let's let's go back. I do want to make sure we get this idea of joy. This joy that I want to. Oh, I wanted to look at the joy stillers to make sure again um, that, that we understand this. This is from last week. The joy stillers that we talk about. Circumstances rob us. People rob us. 
things groundless and worry groundless. Alright? And that's uh, uh that was what we uh, kind of touched on last week. And of course we talked about um how even in the midst of what he was going on, Paul still had uh, the, the Philippian believers on his mind and on his heart. And we talked we talk about how that was a great, just a great example, example for us. All right. All right. So let's go ahead now. We're going to look at that second, <coughs> that second part of the letter um, this week. The key theme again, and somebody's already said it, is the joy of the Lord. But the key verse, and, and I know uh, last week we had a couple Bibles that had more key verses, but uh, we're going to go with Philippians 3 1 as the key verse. And if you break it down, according to where you know, and I, I like the way he does it, uh, chapter 1 will be the single mind, that's what we're at right now. Chapter 2 will be the submissive mind. Chapter 3 will be the spiritual mind. And chapter 4, the secure, the secure mind. So let's let's do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something a little differently today because I think Philippians is a little different than Romans. So I'm gonna go ahead and read all of that together. All right. So uh, so bear with me. But I'm gonna read 12 through um, 30 in one time, and then we'll then we'll kind of go through it that way. All right. And this is Philippians 1, starting with verse verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, and I'm reading from the New King James version. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambitions, not sincerely, Supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness. As always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of the faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you is of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same confidence which you saw in me, and now here is in me. All right? And so the theme that uh, the um, title 
that word we use is, and I like it, it's pioneer wanting. Pioneers, pioneers wanting. Um, we talked about that Paul, look, he, he had he had a vision, right? He had a vision of Rome. He knew that Rome was a key, a key city. Alright, and we all studied this in Romans last uh, last quarter. What was what was so key about Romans? Huh? I remember? Absolutely. There was a saying, there was a saying at that time that all roads lead what? To Rome. And so Paul envisioned that if he could, if he could make a mighty blow for Christ right here in this city, what a difference it would make. It was an eclectic city, right? You had Gentiles there, you had Jews there, you had uh, non-believers, right? You had a lot in Rome. And of course, we, we understand that at that time they would have been the military power of that of that era. All right. So Paul Paul had a vision um, that, that if he could make it to Rome, uh, preaching that he could make a difference. Now, I said it last week, and you all know this: he makes it to Rome, but he doesn't make it as a preacher. How does he make it? As a Christian. As a Christian. Exactly. Exactly. Paul found joy in winning others to Christ. Circumstances promoted. The furtherance of the gospel. We, we talked about that a couple of Sundays ago, that, that idea that furtherance um, of the gospel. Let's kind of break that down a little bit. This idea of furtherance. And most of your Bibles should, does it have furtherance in that? Mm -hmm. And in 12, to anybody else? But I want you to know, brethren, the things that happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Does, it, does everybody have furtherance? What do you have? Greater progress. Okay. Is that, is that an NLT New Living Translation? That's probably an NLT. American Standard. Okay. Okay. Same same idea. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So New American Standard uses this idea of progress in, in King James and King James further. Uh, envision a, a military um, term, if you will, and. And, and almost of uh, those that have been entrusted with going ahead, ahead of the actual army, if you will, to kind of, kind of land. I, I, and who's military? Does a um, core, um, the core engineers, don't they do some of that? Mm -hmm. I should have checked that out. I, yeah, we, don't we have core engineers? They'll go ahead. Yeah, they'll go ahead of the, of the actual um, troops. And they'll go in and build bridges and kind of, kind of make what same thing. This idea of the furtherance. That's, that's kind of where you get this concept in. Uh, this this idea of, uh, of going in before the troops to open the new territory. All right. So that's that's kind of when you look at the Greek and you're kind of playing with that. See, think about Greek. Greek is is um, it has. It, we're kind of rigid. Our language is kind of rigid. And, and the Greek language, uh, it, has a little, it has a whole lot more flexibility. Um, so that's why it takes, it really takes study to kind of understand this. Because uh, our, our language is a little bit more rigid uh, than Greek. But, but, but kind of envision this idea of going ahead and, and kind of get the territory uh, together. And that's what Paul sees himself doing. He sees, him, he sees him, his circumstances positioning him. To do that. Alright, so what is what I'm going through, what I'm dealing with is for the furtherance of the gospel. The circumstances help to do that. 
to minister, helped him to preach. I think I talked about this past Sunday. Maybe it was the Sunday before. Um, but this but this idea of this mindset. Maybe it was our study last week. But this mindset and how we tackle and how we deal with our struggles. You know, it's one thing. Everybody's got struggles, all right? That's one reason why we stop complaining all the time. Everybody's got something, all right? But, 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 but it, all, it all depends on how you deal with those circumstances. We're all guaranteed circumstances. It's all going to depend on how you deal with them. Paul saw the circumstances as literally God gifted. That's that idea that furtherance, the furtherance of the, of the gospel. Paul saw his circumstances as an opportunity to open up new areas. And I've got a question right here, and, and I'll, I'll get to that. But how many of us looked at our circumstances and, and seen those as an opportunity? Let's be for real. How many of us looked at that and, and looked at moving that house, maybe, and, and having some struggles? With some children and having some struggles in a marriage and say, you know what? It's an opportunity to lift up Christ. <laughs> yeah. We're honest, man. We ain't did a good job with that, have we? So how has God arranged circumstances for you to be a pioneer? You don't have to answer that, but think about that. Paul literally saw himself as a pioneer even the mid in fact he saw himself as a pioneer more in his struggles in good times. So how many of us have Look, who uh, has God given anybody pioneer opportunity? Meaning, He sent you into areas that, that, that may not be as fruitful. Look, how many have been? How many have gone to a job site uh, and go to work every day? Is that is there a lot of uh, hallelujah and, and, and Christian music there? No, chances are it's not. Think about that as a pioneering opportunity. Think about that your job. And even maybe for some of us, even even our homes, an opportunity to do some work. Keep in mind, and, and Paul even saw it as he was not going to build what on another apostle. So the places that he went, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't like this was you know men's day at so and so Baptist. He went to the places that were hard. So pioneers want to so see the three tools God used in Paul's case to help bring about the gospel. We see that God's going to use his chains, Paul's chains. He's going to use Paul's critics. <coughs> excuse me. And he's going to use Paul's crisis. So, so the Lord's going to use Paul's chains, 12 through 14. He's going to use Paul's critics, 15 through 19. And he's going to use Paul's crisis or his circumstances. 20 through 26 to bring about the gospel. So 12 through 14, and we've already we've already kind of read, read through that. Paul did not complain about the change, instead he's consecrated. Alright? That's what I was talking about. This idea that, that Paul looked at these chains. Alright? He looked at the fact he's on house arrest. Alright? And you know, and it's, look, he doesn't have that little monitor now on his ankle that some of us, some of us had, you know. You know, ain't no freedom right there. He's literally got, got the palace guards right there on him. Alright? The change, however, allowed Paul to contact with the lost. Alright, he had a soldier chained 24 hours a day with a ship chained every six hours. And I, I did talk about this. I know this two, two, two Sundays ago. Alright? 
in this envision that, all right, he was in a palace guard. So he's got the best guards on him. And, they, and they've got him held up for 24 hours a day. They're right there with him. At least one person. And instead of Paul complaining and getting upset, Paul looked at this and said, you know what? I've got an opportunity to talk to my, my division at the best in the world for 24 hours. Every what? Six hours. Every four hours, somebody does a, does a shift change? Six or every six hours. Six hours. Every six hours, shift change. Six divided by 24 is what? Four, ain't it? That's four different folks. All day, right there next to you. And I heard one preacher say, I heard one preacher say that uh, uh, Paul, he didn't have imagination. He didn't imagine Paul having to go down and pray. And then they guard having to do what? Go down and pray with him. He envisioned Paul telling literally the gospel to four or five different people a day. And Paul saw this as an opportunity to have contact with folks that would not have gotten the gospel they were likely to be in And how many of us have taken up seen our change in that way? How many of us have seen our struggles like that? How many of us, look, let me bring it home. How many of us in our struggles we were able to connect with people? In a different way than we were without the struggle. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Life experience has enabled you to, to deal with folks in a different manner than 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Right? The case will give an opportunity for the Roman government to provide an official status of the new Christian sect. So uh, not only does Paul get a chance to deal with the palace guard, he understands that in the trial, in itself, he's going to get an opportunity to talk about the gospel. So, but I want you to know, brother, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the purpose of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and all for the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren of the Lord have become confident by my chains and much more bold to speak the words without fear. We'll, we'll, we'll press on about that. But Paul looked at this and said, you know what, I get a chance to tell you. Because keep in mind, this is the um, the way our Christianity is still new, right? That's still a new thing. And of course, you're going to see some persecution from, from Rome in a, in a very later period, or close period, it's going to be a little bit later, but not too far off this, you're going to see persecution uh, from those, uh, on the Christians. In fact, the Christians are already kind of dealing, dealing with uh, the persecution, right? So Paul would give an opportunity for the Roman government to provide an official status of the new of the new Christian sect. He looked at this and said, you know what, I'm going to get a chance to unfold the gospel and, and, and make the Roman government have to speak. Well, God uses chains to accomplish pioneer advance that could not have happened in any other way. And again, we can let's think about our own situation. There's some movements, there's some growth in our lives that would not have happened any other way. The single-minded person sees the opportunity that God gives and rejoices at what God is doing versus complaining at what God did not do. Again, we talked about that single-minded. We've already talked about how Paul, last week we talked about how Paul was so focused that everything that happened, he saw an opportunity to lift up. The chains gave the courage to be saved as many witnessed, as many witnessed Paul. They developed a determination. That was that last part in 14. So now, as a result of people, look, people knowing that Paul is going through this, they're encouraged. 
That's why it's, that's one reason why it's so critical for us to walk in certain ways. We're going to end, the, end this study today on that. But it's critical that we walk in certain ways. Think about it. Think about who has gotten courage from you walking in a certain way. Think about who, who's been moved by your testimony. And if I always come up front from now, all your business, it's not, it's not what I'm saying. But folks know what you're going through, know what you're wrestling with. And they see you showing up every Sunday with a good attitude. They see you, they see you treating folks high, knowing that you're in pain, knowing that you're going home to some, to some stuff. And that makes a difference. This right here made a difference. In 14, they said, no. We see Paul walking in a certain way, and it's made a difference now in our, in our walk, and we're more bold because of Paul's example. And I think it's the flip side of that. It's been some of us at times in our walk that it's not been what it should have been. And it's, and it's, it's led people in a direction that should be gone. We're going to have an answer for some of that. We're going to have an answer for some of that. Not just me. Not just me. The pastor. Some of y'all are going to have an answer too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all called to be, to be with us. So Paul's chains were first used by God. And then Paul's critics are going to be used. 15 through 19. The churches in Rome were divided. Some were not sincere at preaching Christ. And were preaching selfishly. Uh, we've already read this, but let's look. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely proposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. But the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I do rejoice. You've got some folks, and you've got some folks today, right? Now, their intentions aren't, all, it's not all perfect. You've got some folks in church that are here to worship the Lord. Mm-hmm. You've got some folks that show up, not at Cedar Top, at other churches. <laughs> but we got some folks showing up at churches, and, and their intentions are not all, not all good, right? All of a sudden, there's some preachers out there that are literally preaching. And that you hallelujah and standing up for and cheering for and all that, he's saying their intentions aren't right. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's saying there's some folks that he knows for a fact that are literally preaching uh, to literally preaching against him if you will. And Paul again, his single mindedness, he does what with it? What does he say with it? He said, as long as you're preaching Christ. <laughs> He said, Christ is being lifted up. He said, it's not about me. It's not about my bow. Christ is being lifted up. So as long as Christ is being lifted up, I do what? I rejoice. The group could have been a legalistic wing of the church opposed to Paul's view on grace. We can even see the politics. Critics were asking, whose side are you on? Are you on Paul's side? Are you on so-and-so side? You see that today. You got some folks, you know, they are not here. But uh, if, if a certain preacher ain't preaching, they ain't coming. Who right. preaches that? Mm-hmm. You know, sneak on out the back. There's nothing wrong with, with, with enjoying some folks. But, but when you talk to them, you don't follow. You don't follow a person. And if you, if you, um, if you do, look, all you got to do is watch somebody long enough. The Lord won't carry everybody. Else. 
There's been some great preaching and pastors I thought would live forever. Just in the last two years or two, had to bury some. And that's a reminder for the child of God that everybody's living. Paul's aim was to glorify Christ, and a single-minded individual uses critics as an opportunity to do that. How many of us use our critics? Because a lot of us, we're so quick to put our mouth on somebody. If they put their mouth on us, we're going to do what? Put our mouth on them. We're so quick to go after so and so. I can't believe they said, I'm going to get this. Mm-hmm. If you see what was on Facebook, if you see this, if you hear that, we're so quick. We're so quick to get it. But scripture reminds us that vengeance is what? Lord's. I had a son that did something he shouldn't do. And he played that. He was in jail for six months. He was in jail. He was in jail for six months. He was So the Lord had said, He came out. What he did wrong, he fixed it. He did it. He did it. He fixed it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're saying he had a change of heart? Yeah. He fixed it. Okay. Now don't tell us what he did. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on air, though. Okay. I'm going to tell him how he fixed it. Yeah, he fixed it. Okay. He did it. Last one, he told me what the size was going to do. Okay. I'm with you, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, don't give me details, though. Wrong, wrong. <laughs> but no, what a, what a powerful, what a powerful picture. Look, God can do he can do better in dealing with a situation than what we can. There's a, there's a reason that he says, um, that's a reason he says vengeance is mine. Because he knows if, if we if we take if we are in charge of revenge, revenge is going to be less. Let's mm-hmm. see through with it. And then when you allow him to deal with it, you also get to keep your testimony. What a powerful testimony. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we, we get walked on and all that. I'm not saying that. But, but what a powerful testimony that you kept your composure. And you and I stayed steady through it. You know, we want to, I'm going to show up, tell them, I'm going to get all these middle fingers and all these, you know what, bombs and all this. And then what do you have left? And you feel pretty good. I ain't going to lie. You feel pretty good <laughs> for about 10, 15 minutes. But then you left. Lost your testimony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not perfect. We all we all struggle in some areas. We wish we wish we would have held some uh, did some stuff differently in some mm-hmm. situations. But, but for the most part, we're going to talk about the peace of mind a little bit this Sunday. When you've got when you've got a guarded mind and a guarded heart, mm-hmm. stuff doesn't affect you to the point that you lose yourself. Mm-hmm. If you allow people, if you allow circumstances. To, to get you to the point that you lose your daggone mind, then you're wrestling with some idols. You're wrestling with some stuff. But when the Lord has touched your heart, it's a guarded heart. You're at peace. You can have stuff moving all around you and stuff going crazy. You just sit like that. So Paul, Paul's critic. Paul was set for the defense of the gospel and rejoiced that Christ was preached. Paul looked at this. And he said, look, I know there's some preachers out there that are jealous of me. I know there's some churches that don't like me. But you know what? Christ is getting preached, and I'm okay. So Paul's critics, we first we dealt with Paul's chains, we looked at Paul's critics, and then we'll see how God uses Paul's crisis. That's 20 through 26. 
we pretty much have dealt, have dealt with that. But let's, let's kind of walk through it. According, according to my earnest expectation and hope that all and nothing, I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so that also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I choose, what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having desired to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you, and being confident. Of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all in the progress of, and joy of faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant than Jesus Christ by my coming to you, to you, again. Keep in mind, I, I said this before, and I heard someone else say, I can't take credit for it. I said it a couple weeks ago. If you've got, if you've got issues and problems with Paul, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Because, I mean, he's like what, the Teflon. Right, just bounces off of He said, well, I tell you, we're going to kill you, Paul. Well, I'm just You know, that's, I'm good. Yeah, I can't live Christ. I'm, I'm good. Go ahead and kill me. And uh, well, we're going to talk about you. I'm, I'm glad you talked about me. Make sure you throw Christ in there and then go ahead and do what I was going to do anyway. Paul is taking everything. And it's not because it's not because Paul is, is perfect. We know Paul's history. We know Paul that Paul had put some folks in prison. Paul was responsible for tearing some households and families apart. Yeah, so we know that it was that it was a heart change. And when God has touched your heart and changed your heart, you do stuff different. That's why I look, I don't I don't get into all of it. And I, I love folks, I hope I hope you continue the field all the way. We gotta bring in chairs and buy chairs and I'm looking forward to that. I'm also going to know that everybody in here is not going to be. I know that. I know just because of some folks who live here and sing some good solo. But still, I know the Lord. I know that somebody can get in there and preach and still not be saved. It can't, it's not just lip service. In fact, Jesus he said, one day there's going to be something, and folks are going to say, I did this for you, and I did that for you, and I did this, and he's going to say, depart. God's going to say, depart from me, I never. Okay? I don't want to use the word scary, but that should make us really think and be serious about this. Because you can literally be head of the missionary department in those people. You can go to church every Sunday. And go, you can. That's what that is saying. And they can put a lot of emphasis on the building, but he's not coming back at this time. He's just coming back at the soul. Some people put a lot of emphasis on the building. Correct. Yeah, he um he marries, he marries the church, but it's not the we are the church. Yeah. Yeah, the um the ecclesia on the called out. That's the church within the church. Yeah, this right here is a beautiful, it's a beautiful church. If you if you if you make it to glory, I'm if you're gonna be looking for you can look at the see the top of that sign is the trouble. You're gonna do a lot of walking around. So Paul, Paul's Christ, 
Christ is allowed for Christ to be magnified. Paul did not worry about this body and knew that it was not his own and magnified Christ through his body. Imagine that. That's almost reckless. Imagine that. He said, you take his body. Take his body. Look, as long as I have it, I'm going to use it to magnify it. I'm going to use it to magnify the Lord. Our body should be used to bring people closer to Christ. People that are unsaved see Christ in a better view as a result of watching us in our crisis. Look at that. But how many of us, don't go back too far, I'm just think in the last two weeks, and we all have had some struggles in the last two weeks, we've all had some problems. Those folks around you who did not know Christ, or they were young and good, are not just, you didn't have to be young in faith. Folks around you, they get a better view of Christ watching you in that crisis. Think about your co-worker. Don't, don't put it on folks who say, well, I ain't nobody seen me in the last two weeks. Well, think about the folks that you social media with. Think about the folks that work work with you. Some of those pop-ups that you're sending, those IMs, those text messages. All they got were your, were your complaints. All they got were your struggles, your list of complaints. Why you hate so-and-so. No, they got Think about that. Were folks able to have a better walk or a better view of Christ having watched you in the last few weeks in your struggle? That's for all of us. I ain't, I ain't talking about I'm just thinking about myself too. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about when I had an opportunity mm-hmm. and instead I complained. Paul recognized the difficult situation. To remain was necessary for the believers in Philippi, but to depart was with Christ was far better. Paul was willing. Somebody go ahead and pull Romans 9, 1 through 3. <coughs> Paul was willing to postpone even heaven and go to hell for the benefit of others. Now, don't pull a theological text. Don't pull a tech on me. Uh, we, no, we can't do that, right? It's not, uh, you can choose. You can choose to go. But, but Paul would not have had the opportunity, if you will, at that point to, to give up salvation. And go to hell. But what this is saying, this is saying that Paul had such a love, he had such a, a, a heart for those that did not know Christ. That what? What did he? What did he put in Romans nine one, one through three? Who has that? But I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brother, my kinsman according to the flesh. He cared about the loss. We, we, that ninth chapter that's dealing with the uh, that's dealing with the Jewish nation, right? Or yeah. He loved his brothers so much, he cared for them so much. And he said, you know what? If I could, he knew he could. He understood salvation, right? We, understood, we know that. We understood that, that once, once, uh, once saved, always saved. He understood that. He said, you know what? I have such a love for you. Look, how many of us have How many of us care that folks around us could potentially see him eternally separated from us? Think about that. Do we really? You can say what you will about the old church, but there was a there was a genuine concern for those who did not know the Lord. I mean, some of the stuff, you know, the, the knocking on doors and all that stuff, 
You know, it, it may be a different day, but, but there was a genuine concern for those who did not know the Lord. Do we have that? Now, I'm not telling you to go lock the doors necessarily, but I'm saying, have you been around folks now, you've been in your job for 15 years, and you know somebody next to you that does not know the Lord? Have you been okay with that for the last 15 years? Have I been okay with that for the last 15 years? Absolutely. Yeah, it's um look, Satan knows what he's doing. Satan is the prince what? Of this darkness of this world. He has power. He doesn't have all power. Don't no leave here saying, I don't say no, he doesn't need it, but he has. So I absolutely agree with you that we are now in a system that is literally anti-Christian. Absolutely. Absolutely. We send our kids to a school, most of us, that, that has a disdain for the law. But God said that that would happen. He said there'll be a day where they will they won't even go after sound doctrine anymore. They'll go after engineers. He said that they'll persecute you because they both persecute you. So so absolutely. I, I think if we're not careful, we will literally become lazy. And I don't mean lazy to that we're lazy per se, but we will literally put our hands up and say, you know what, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I can't I can't read the Bible. You know, I got to go to the break room to read the Bible. I got ten minutes to do it, and and I think that is I think that's dangerous because we constantly have to be asking the Holy Spirit to give us avenues to be witnesses. Constantly, at, at, if He doesn't, look, He's placed us where He's placed us for a reason, and if we don't bring the light, then who we? If we're not the salt. We can't expect the unsalted to be salted. Go ahead. I was talking to her and I was talking about the Lord, but those people didn't go to church. And she told me that she said, I want to be that pastor. I said, come on, let's just do it Because when I go on stage, I'll be preaching and I can say sugar chunk or whatever. And then I asked her, you know, Jesus, I can go on stage. No, 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 no. I know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. But no, there comes. Uh, but no, there is. Uh, but go ahead. I just said I love my husband. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Because if you cut me, I'm going to do it. You cut the rope. We all So so I think all of us agree that we have obstacles. Mm -hmm. We have obstacles to this. But he told us that we would have obstacles. Mm -hmm. So we would have difficulties. Um, and we're gonna like I said, we're gonna end it with our walk. But look, the best book anybody can read is the Bible. But where's the Bible for that? 
Mm. Yes, when you wake up, you're not trying to apologize. God let you get a few years. I'm not going to 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 get a Look how he dealt with a woman with issues. Look how he dealt with, with folks. Let me give you a hand. He met them where they were at. See, that's a lot of our problems. We want to sit here and say, look, honey, let me tell you about, let me tell you about Philippians 2 and 1. And we've not made a connection with them. They're hungry. They're struggling. They're struggling out on drugs. And we know what the gospel says. We know that. But we've not made a connection. Jesus himself, who is this, made a connection with him. He looked at the woman with the well. I, I'm not trying. He looked at the woman and he said, look, I know you're struggling. You're coming to this well. You're coming when it's hot. Everybody else comes when what? When it's sun, when it's cool. You come in when it's hot. What reason? You're coming by yourself. You don't have any friends coming with you. He said, let me give you, let me give you some living water. So he's, oh, he's meeting her where she's at. She's thinking, well, look, you can set it up where I don't have to come to this well anymore. He said, no, 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 I'm setting it up where you don't have to come to any world well anymore. I am the life. But he meets them where they're at. So a lot of us, we've not made that connection with folks. So we say, you know what, I tried. I tried to meet them. I invited them to church once or twice. We didn't make a connection. There's a, there's a saying that we say at my office. People don't, they don't care what you say until they know that you care. They don't care what you say. They don't care what you do until they know that you care. Paul, Paul was willing to postpone heaven and even hell for the benefits of others. This idea of, of departure, and again, Paul had to have a different view of death than most of us. Right? He saw death with a comma. Now, most of exclamation point, right? Death for him meant departing and brought no fear, right? This picture of this idea of departing. Someone look at 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. We're going we're gonna to go about five more minutes and we'll, we'll get you out of here on time. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. Does anybody have that? Well, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle is God, we have a building of God and a house not made of hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is in heaven. If so, be that being clothed, we shall not be thrown naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being virgins, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath brought us from this self same thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident knowing that if he will, we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and from the presence of the Lord. Absolutely. See, the problem with us is that we 
maneuver as if this is our home and this is it. Mm -hmm. Paul looks at this and he says, I know this is temporary. In fact, I want you to envision that this body is merely, is merely a tent. And my soul is going to depart from this place. When you had that mindset, and you develop that mindset, and things hit you differently. We had a, a close, closely, I'm not going to talk about close member here. And I watched him wrestle. But there were times that I saw him, he had more life in him, even though the body was visibly dying. He had more life in him than some folks here. I'm not saying y'all, but other ones. Even though there were some struggles, he understood. Yeah. He understood that this was a this was, this was temporary sparkling. Some of us are getting mad at God. He said, no, no, no. I told you from the beginning that this body was going to leave. So this, this idea of this, this, this uh, taking the tent and moving on. Uh, the same thing, if you look at the Greek, you can also see uh, described setting a prisoner free or farming term to unyoke the ox. Right? Again, it's the idea that we're not tied here. He talks about citizenship Philippians, and deal with that for a reason because what did I say last week about this colony? This colony was what? A Roman colony, right? And they took pride in the fact that they were literally Roman citizens. Paul said, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. He said, but no, no, your citizenship, if you're a believer, is in heaven. So the parting was also used as a political term and Describe setting a prisoner free and unyoke a farming term to unyoke the ox. And let's look at this last part, 27 to 30, and we'll we'll get out of here. I, I've already read it, so let's let's look at this. Um, this idea of, of battle stations, if you will. The Christian life is a battleground, and we are soldiers called to defend the faith. We've already we've already kind of discussed that. Alright? Christ told his disciples when he was preparing them. He said they're gonna hate you. He could have told them that, you know what, I'm getting ready to leave here, but it's getting ready to be one time for y'all. He knew that was a lie. He knew that there were going to be martyrs. He knew that he was dealing with folks uh, that were going to go the same way as far as that death. You all know, no one died for our sins other than him. And he knew that there were going to be some. In fact, the only one I believe that died for, for a natural death was John, right? Am I correct in saying that? I have to look at that. Somebody who's here that where's Gideon go? You know, was, we know Peter. He might, right? We know, we know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll double check that. But he said there's going to be some struggles here. There's going to be some struggles here. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, we're studying that. And John was the only one. Yeah. So all of them had struggles. Yeah, they had struggles here. He told me he was going to have struggles. Yeah. He said, what, though? Take cheer. I'm overcome what? 
So the, the church one must engage in teaching ministry to ensure the next generation appreciates the heritage of faith. That is key right there. Christians must fight the enemy and battle to accept the faith through consistency, cooperation, and confidence. All right? Uh, 27A, and we've got to go. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or in absence, I may hear of your fears. All right? Uh, the most important weapon against the enemy is a consistent life. We talked about that. Paul suggests that Christians are citizens of heaven and need to act like it. The question, am I conducting myself in a manner worthy of the gospel? Defeat the devil by living a godly life. The next thing is cooperation. Again, this is how we, how we fight the enemy. One is consistency. Two is cooperation. 27b, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul saw the church as what? As a team. And in order to be effective, you've got to work together. Yeah. All right? And we, we've, already, we've already talked about that. Paul emphasized unity throughout the letter. Paul used the Greek prefix, son, which means with or together at least 16 times. All right. If you look at Philippians four, we'll talk a little bit about that. There is a clear division in the church. All right. And so Paul is the Philippians aren't perfect, but there there is a division that he deals with, and so that's why he talked about unity. Even if, if as well as you treated me, you sent some stuff, you sent supplies my way, but you still got some stuff you need to work on. All right. He told us the same thing. We still got to do better when it comes to cooperation. And the last thing is the confidence again. How we battle? How we battle in this? Uh, in this struggle is one, consistency, two, cooperation, and three, confidence. And not in any way terrified by your adversary, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here uh, is in me. Paul saw the opportunity to, to struggle. He saw that as a chance for us to have confidence in Christ. That means that you've been picked out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're going through this thing and you don't have any struggles, you better check. You better check some stuff. And you better check some stuff. Paul saying, "No, be confident that you're struggling." Now, I'm not, we're talking about struggling for the sake, for Christ's sake. Don't come to me saying, "You know, I, I messed up and I struggled." Now, you gonna mess. You, if you messed up, you all gonna struggle. We're talking, he's talking about when you're struggling for Christ's sake, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Paul's in prison for preaching Christ. That's what Christ said. Not because he gambled all the money away. Now he doesn't have any more for the rest of the month than the 20 days left out of the month. It's a little different than what he's talking about right here. He's saying, have confidence though, that the Lord saw fit to allow you to suffer for his sake. Don't be committed to me. And be committed to me. God, again, we thank you for this chance to study your word. We pray for now, Father God, as we move through this letter of Paul, that you can, you can continue to show us, Father God, what it means to have joy, to rejoice in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our circumstances, Father God. So we just thank you for this letter. And we thank you, Father God, that we get an opportunity 
uh, to move through this life, Father God. You want our hearts and you want our minds, Father God, to be a witness for you. And so we pray that you continue to give strength as we move through this lesson, Father God. Bless all those that are here. This is the sunset. We ask all these things. Bless those that are ours to pray for. In Jesus' name, amen. Any questions?